BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. There is so much going on and a jam-packed program today. I want to start out getting into this question of do Americans, and of course this includes Democrats, but I'm not speaking just about Democrats and the Democratic Party. Do Americans have the will to actually do battle with the, and metaphorically, politically speaking? with wealthy right-wing authoritarians and the movement that they are promoting. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Secondly, how do we memorialize January 6th? There's a big discussion going on, you know, among members of Congress, among people in the news media. You know, what do we do? I mean, you know, what's the logo for this thing? Is it, you know, like when, when Ronald Reagan cut a deal with the Iranians to hold the hostages when Jimmy Carter was president to destroy the Carter presidency? You know, we tied yellow ribbons around trees and they sang songs about them and, you know, tie yellow ribbon around them. Well, actually, I think the song preceded the hostage taking, but you get my point. How do we memorialize January 6th? Ask that question. And also, Louise and I have our own little war about Christmas. (laughs) When do you take down the tree? I say the first day of March. Louise says the first day after the new year. And some folks in our our community, in our neighborhood, took down their Christmas trees or their Christmas decorations. Obviously, this is for those of you who who do this. I took them down the day after Christmas. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. This This is like... These are such wonderful anchors to, to happy times in my childhood. I want to hang on to them as long as possible. What do you do at your house? Uh, so we can talk about that. <laughs> There's just a lot. Oh, and some, some very, very positive news, some, some very positive changes coming to. I'll share that with you in just a moment. You know, but my first question, it looks to me, and I was impressed to see Brian Stelter use this word on his Sunday show on uh, CNN, his show about the media. It looks to me like the word fascism is back. Not just the word, actually the concept that fascism is back. And that it's going to be on the ballot this fall, this November. It'll be under the R category, the Republican category, but fascism nonetheless. You know, when fascism first reared its ugly head in Europe back in the 1920s, and in Japan, by the way, in the 1920s, it signaled a coming war. And now we've got this newer and slicker form of, uh, I call it neo-fascism, neo being you know, from the Greek for new, the new fascism here in the United States. And uh, you know, is it gonna bring a similar crisis? I think personally that at this moment, we in America stand, and, and frankly around the, 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 the world, the free world, stand at the threshold of momentous change genuinely momentous change. I mean, it's rarely discussed in this frame, but I think that the next two elections, the one this year and the one in 2024, are pretty much certainly going to define what form of government the United States will have for at least a generation. Are we going to have a democratic republic like Ben Franklin uh, told the wife of Philadelphia's mayor back in the day, a republic ma'am, if you can keep it? Or are we going to have Trumpy fascism? Frankly, I think that every day goes by diminishes the chances of Trumpy fascism. This is my good news for 2022. But it is still a force to be reckoned with, and it has not gone away. 
And in many ways, it's reconsolidating. So what we have right now is the Democratic Party, at least institutionally committed to America, finally realizing this, you know, this, this vision that was laid out in our founding documents, you know, that, that all, all people are born uh, you know, with the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the governments are instituted among us, among people, to, to, uh, to protect those rights. And the, and the Democratic Party has rejected gerrymanders. Michigan, for example, uh, is going to have their first non-gerrymandered map, which is going to be very, very interesting how this changes the races for the Michigan House and Senate, and, and frankly, for members of Congress of Michigan. So that's a good thing, ending gerrymanders. And of course, you know, there's legislation to do that as well, sitting in the Senate. And voter suppression, uh, you know, Democrats are committed to ending voting, voting, voter suppression. Now, I say institutionally because we've got two Democrats, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, who so far have been kind of holding up the show. But I have a feeling this thing is going to get through, that, that the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and that the Freedom to Vote Act, at the very least, are going to pass in the next week or two. We'll see. I may be wrong. But even if they don't pass, it will be, if they, if they don't pass, it'll be because one or two Democrats decided to block them, essentially on behalf of, of right-wing billionaires and, and particular industries uh, or, you know, out of, you know, some bizarre loyalty to the Republican Party. But the, the Democratic Party institutionally is committed now to democracy which is a big deal. I mean, the, you know, the, the Democratic Party was committed to this in the 60s with the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act, but then they kind of lost their way in the, in the 80s, the 90s, the, the, the first decade of the 2000s, and now they're back. I see this as a good thing. At the same time, the Republican Party, with the exception of Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, has just doubled down on Trumpy neo-fascism. So, does, you know, so what, A, number one, what do you think that's going to mean for the elections coming up in 2022? Is this going to be a blowout? I mean, are the Democrats just going to overwhelm the Republicans? Because the rest of America is getting, you know, how toxic the GOP has become? Or does it mean that they're going to, that their voter suppression efforts are going to be successful? And they're, they're gerrymandering and they're going to hang on to power and stuff like that? I'm inclined to view this with optimism. But I'm also enough of a historian to know that things have not always turned out for the best. That said, we suffered this incredible attack on our democracy on January 6th. And we're still here. And that cannot be said of other countries. When, when uh, Russia, when Hungary, when Poland, when the Philippines, when India, when all of these countries that have now essentially become oligarchies, when they confronted the possibility of remaining democracies or, or strengthening democracy, they flinched. And that's frankly what I think is gonna be on the ballot this fall. And, and I think it's gonna be a big deal. And I am hopeful that fascism will be defeated in America, and I'm more than happy to play my role in, in seeing that happen. It's, it's what wakes, you know, gets me out of bed in the mornings. How about you? What do you think? How is this going to play out? I'll give you a little more information on this in just a minute. Uh, and both the good news of what's happening in the states and the bizarre news coming out of the GOP right after this break. So just to kind of put a point on it, with regard to the Christmas tree thing, Sean was telling me that, was it your Irish grandmother? Yeah, Great-grandmother great said that uh, you can't take down your Christmas tree, that the, day, the official day to take down your Christmas tree is January 6th, because that's the, the 12th night of Christmas, okay? And that if you fail to do it on January 6th, you have to keep it up until Easter, or it's bad luck. This was your great-grandmother. Okay, cool. Wow, I had no idea. Easter, Louise. <laughs> Easter. <laughs> okay. I think I already laid that out. I don't need to do it all over again. It's, it's
so far I have prevailed, right? Uh, we have this little Christmas tree. It's only about three feet tall. It's a scraggly little artificial tree that we've been hauling around for about 15 years. And <laughs> it's a Charlie Brown tree. <laughs> and uh, it's still up. And I want it to stay up until March 1st, but I don't think I'm going to win that one. Uh, what say you? Picking up your phone calls here, uh, Francis in Sherwood. Hey, Francis, what's on your mind today? Yes, exactly that. Since January 6th is Epiphany, I think we should use it to remember to um, get truth and justice out, especially truth, and not just on the attack of the Capitol, but like your uh, industrial pollution, global warming, et cetera, for the year. Just recommit to truth. Amen. And it's also the time to take down the Christmas tree, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. One vote for January 6th. That's all. Great. Uh -huh. Francis, thank you very much. That was, that was great. Uh -huh. Appreciate the call. And how do we memorialize January 6th? This is a much larger question. And I think that it probably we need to be remembering it the way that we remember like Pearl Harbor Day. Now, do we make it a national day of mourning or a national day of remembrance the way that we have with Pearl Harbor Day or the way that we have with 9-11? I think we should. Even during the Civil War, the Capitol was not laid siege. The last time the Capitol of the United States was attacked was during the War of 1812. And uh, while they, they, they actually, the Capitol wasn't even attacked on that day because it was empty at the time. Uh, they did attack the White House. Dolly Madison, uh, James Madison was the president at the time. And he was out leading troops. He was the only president to ever lead troops in battle. And he was out leading troops against the British and the French Canadians in the War of 1812. And his wife uh, took this picture of George Washington and rolled it up and stuck it in her dresses, the, the mythology, and uh, fled the White House and, and saved that painting, that, that famous painting. Um, in other words, this, this literally, I mean, this is even worse than the Civil War, not, not in terms of American deaths and things like that, but the attack on the Capitol building did, didn't even get that big. So I think, frankly, that this should be a national day of remembrance and mourning. Uh, what say you? We'll get to that. A couple of, I said, I told you there was really great news. This is for 2022. These are all changes that happened. Uh, uh, in Republican states, you've got uh, a whole bunch of Republican states that are, that are doing tax cuts for wealthy people. Uh, I'll get into that. But it, 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 some good stuff happening in blue states. Uh, $15 an hour minimum wage for most workers in California and uh, many downstate counties in New York starting uh, this, this week. Uh, minimum wage of $14.25 in Massachusetts, $12.75 in Maine, $12.50 in Maryland, $13 in New Jersey, $11.50 in New Mexico, $12.75 in Oregon. By the way, I'm getting this from the Progressives Everywhere um, uh, Substack page, substack.com. Uh, minimum wage is going to jump in 35 cities and counties as well, all under Democratic control. Uh, it's now $15 or more in two states and 31 cities and counties. By the end of this year, that'll be 44 cities and counties. In Connecticut, workers can now apply for up to 12 weeks of paid leave. This is funded by a small payroll tax. New York's paid family leave is going to become more robust, guaranteeing 67% of your salary for up to three months to care for a sick child or family member. Payments max out at $1,068 a week. In Massachusetts, payments like that uh, max out at $1,084 a week. Washington State, which does not have a state income tax, just got a new capital gains tax. A 7% tax on incomes over a quarter million dollars. Um, it's uh, illegal for employers in Illinois to lock workers into non-compete clauses if they earn less than 75 grand a year. New Jersey is launching a financial literacy pilot program. I mean, it's just cool stuff happening all over the place. Amazon facilities in California, by law, can no longer use algorithms to control how often you can go to the bathroom, uh, you know, breaks and, and all these kinds of things. There, while there are major tax cuts being handed out to the wealthiest people in states controlled by Republicans, in Arkansas, for example, the, uh, the state income tax for the richest people in Arkansas, I guess that would be the Walton family, went from 5.9% down to 4.9%, while uh, Arkansas is throwing a bone to their poor people. Uh, if you're low income, you get a one-time $60 tax credit. Wow. Yeah, yeah that, that's balanced. In uh, criminal justice in Illinois, 
All police officers have to wear body cameras. Uh, this is the Safety Act, which passed. It makes it easier to fire bad cops. It ends suspending driver's licenses because you haven't paid fines. Minnesota, same thing. You can't uh, suspend driver's licenses based on fines. Similar law went into effect uh, at the end of last year in Nevada. The use of no-knock warrants cut back. Here in Oregon, they've created a standardized interview and background check for police departments. Portland has a new civilian-led oversight police oversight board. In North Carolina, cops have to go through a psychological evaluation before being given a gun and a badge. And so there's some good stuff happening all around the country. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Dave in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, Tom. On uh, <clears throat> January 6th, I think that should either be called like the National Day of Shame or call it Insurrection Day, you know, that. Uh, and uh, but yeah, I'm concerned if you call it Insurrection Day that there's a whole bunch of people who are going to start making flags and waving them and saying, yeah, this is our day. <laughs> Speaking of flags, perhaps they should fly it upside down on that day, too, you know. Yeah. Or on. On the calendars where they show, you know, the different holidays with the flag, they should either have that date gray or something or an upside-down flag. But well, yeah, the upside-down flag is a distress call, as, as, as I'm sure you know, which is why you're suggesting right. it. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm worried that that would be co-opted by people on the right. But I do think that a national day of mourning is, is appropriate. You know, mourning and uh, the first attack on our Capitol building. Uh, really, in the history of the United States, I mean, this yeah. is. Hey, Tom. Happened. But yeah. how would you get this thing? How would you get this law passed? We can't even get B three passed, you know. And I'm sure yeah. Manchin would fight that one too, because you're embarrassing his Republican buddies. Yeah, yeah. They uh, over on Democratic Underground, the cartoon. They do a political cartoon every day, and the cartoon is uh, Kevin McCarthy on TV in 1963, and he's like, you know, well, why didn't Kennedy duck? You know, why are they asking about my friend Lee Harvey Oswald when they should be asking, why didn't Kennedy duck? <laughs> it's like, wow. yes, it's like, this is, this is, this is the Republicans. I'm with you, Dave. Dave, thank you so much for the All call. All right, be well and a happy new year to thank you, you and the family and everybody. Thank you. Back to you, Dave. Thank you. Uh, Rhonda in Charleston, West Virginia. Hey, Rhonda, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Happy new year. Thank you. Um, have two things, one kind of funny and one not so funny. Uh, the first one, I have the unfortunate circumstance of my birthday being January 6th. Oh, my. I uh, celebrated my 60th birthday last year. And you know how they were talking about how all the agencies didn't know this was going to happen. My husband, who used to be a professional chef, made me for breakfast, you'll like this, eggs Benedict Arnold, Trump <laughs> toast, and Mussolini mimosas. <laughs> and, <laughs> this was before it happened. We were watching like four hours before it happened, like we know this is going to happen today. Oh, yeah. Well, Trump um, was advertising it well. Point, I, apparently, the only people in the United States who didn't know were the FBI and the National Guard. Yeah, evidently. <laughs> 
Um, one serious thing. It kind of ruined my holiday, however. Um, I am from West Virginia, from Charleston. Um, got on the Charleston Gazette. I think it was Christmas Day. Joe Manchin was named West Virginia of the Year. Oh, that's interesting. Um, well, you know, Joe oh, Manchin yeah. actually has done a fair amount of good stuff, and he is, you know, the the, the vote that gave control, or you know, I mean, arguably uh, gave control of the Senate to the Democrats, and and you know, he's not always terrible. That's true. That's true. Unfortunately, I think that you know a lot of the constituents that voted for him in West Virginia would really have been benefited from the Build Back Banner plan, and I'm, yeah. I'm really hoping it still comes through. I, th- I it think was, it was a little disheartening. Um, uh, most of our major newspapers are owned by the same uh, company, and so um, it, it's. I was a little disheartened. I'm, I'm just wishing he could, you know, get that last vote. And you're right; he is not all bad. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of hoping that comes through. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I suspect. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm I'm seeing these tantalizing little drops. Not to sound too much like QAnon followers, but you know, <laughs> there's the little news drops that uh, you know the, the they've come to a uh, some sort of a thing with the with the parliamentarian, the Senate parliamentarian Elizabeth. Uh, what's her name? Montgomery is I re- no that that's the actress Elizabeth yeah. uh, McCormick or something. They've come to a uh, to a, some kind of an agreement. In, in fact. Elizabeth Montgomery, Louise, and I have been on Saturday mornings watching Bewitched reruns. Uh, but, but anyhow, there you go. Um, but they've come to an agreement with her that they can do more than one reconciliation bill this year. We'll see. But I think that that's you know, if that's true, that's interesting. And then this thing that you know, Schumer is going to propose changes to the filibuster. So we'll see. But I'm hopeful. I'm I'm. I'm always hopeful. I'm so, hoping. Well, we, we could all make our eggs Benedict Arnold on January 6th. There you go. There you go. The, <laughs> the official eggs Benedict Arnold day. Rhonda, thank you very much for the call. It's nice to hear from thank you. Thank you. And, and uh, yeah, and happy birthday this week. Mark in Valley, Washington. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind today? Well, Tom, I got to disagree with you. I think About. you were right that we dodged a bullet, but I think that the Democrats, at least not, not all of them, but the ones that are in control, are not putting the ample level of seriousness to this, urgency to this, and that the Democrat, the Republicans are making it so it doesn't matter how we vote. So even if we come out to the polls in massive numbers, and a lot of these crucial states, they're just going to say, no, nope, we're not putting them delegates in, we're putting delegates in for Trump or DeSantis or whoever. As far as I and know, Mark, happened. the only actual swing state, as defined by the results of the last election, where the Republicans have really put into place rigorous voter suppression laws and we can change elections we don't like laws, uh, is Georgia. Um, I'm, I, every other state that has done this is a solid red state that, you know, the outcome of the election isn't going to much matter. Or am I missing something? I realize Texas has, and Texas yeah, has the potential to be a But Texas is trying to do it, and uh, there's a whole bunch of other states that are trying to push it through. And they're mostly all red uh, legislatures, so I have a feeling it's going to get pushed through before the election because the Democrats are not putting the sense of urgency needed to stop this. Yeah. I I would say for the last year, I don't disagree with you. I I do believe that the pressure is on, and I think that Schumer is going to get this voting rights legislation passed in the next week or two. I, I really... I have no inside information on this. Um, it's just a sense, but uh, you know, there he has got so much pressure on him right now. But Mark, let's, let's as far re- as the go ahead. As far as the FBI goes, you know, that's the fascist bureau of intimidation throughout their history. So I don't see them jumping up to stop Trump. Well, and his people. Uh, yeah, I just don't I'm, I'm concerned that there's a bunch of Trump holdovers who are still in the Justice Department. And uh, in fact, I'm not just concerned. I mean, we know that there are Trump holdovers who are still in the Justice Department in some fairly high positions. And that that troubles me. Uh, again, we'll just have to wait and see how it shakes out. Thanks a lot for the call. Bill in Clifton, New Jersey. Hey, Bill, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Um, yeah, you were talking about a memorial early, and I've called the show a couple times because I calculated the height of the what would be the COVID uh, monument compared to the Vietnam mo- monument. Mm-hmm. And if it was in the same footprint, which is 500 feet long, which is longer than a city block, it would be 14 stories tall now with the number of people who have gone. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And That's amazing. Uh, right. And uh, uh, just quickly, I figured out the theory of everything. Equality equals freedom times liberty squared. 
Oh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to fill me in on that in more detail on another occasion, Bill. But that sounds okay. like a great starting point. Bill, thanks for the call. It's always nice to hear from you. Well, and thanks for listening to us on SiriusXM. Dennis in Aptos, California. Hey, Dennis, what's on your mind today? Boy, a lot. I want to start with uh, the fact that Manchin gave an impromptu press conference. I didn't really like what he was saying. You know, uh, I saw it on my monitor, but I didn't hear what he said. What what uh, you know, he kind of reiterated again that the Voting Rights Act needs some Republicans to vote for it. Uh, Good luck with that. You know, good luck with that. Yeah, No, their official Uh, strategy is turning America into Hungary. It's a single party rule. They're not going to go along yeah, with anything and, the Democrats want to do. Needs, and, and, you know, I don't know how reporters could actually ask a question and kind of emphasize that right. uh, because, you know, he's clueless or he's just doesn't want to admit facts. Right. Uh, you know, regarding Hungary, too, I mean, you know, they're, they're fascist light right now, uh, kind of like Spain and Portugal were before, uh, before and after World War II. Well, Orban just had a guy arrested for posting on his personal Facebook page that he, in his opinion, Orban was a dictator. He just had this guy well, arrested, like last week. Yeah, uh, you know, he's a danger. You know, Trump liked Putin. He liked Erdogan. He likes uh, Orban. He likes Bolsonaro, who acts like a dictator down in Brazil, yeah. Duterte in Philadelphia, uh, in the Philippines. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my dad, who died in 2016 in February, he, he was co- coherent enough in uh, the prior months when Trump was running for president, and he saw one of, uh, one of Trump's um, speeches, one of his rallies, and he said, this guy, this guy sounds like Mussolini or Hitler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because yeah. he was, he, he lived through that. Yep. You know, he, he was in America during the 1930s as a kid, as a teenager, and he saw what was going on. And, and anybody who's that age right now in their 80s and 90s, if they like Trump, it's like, what? You, weren't, you, weren't you alive? Didn't, don't you remember Hitler's speeches, uh, Mussolini's speeches? Don't you remember all that? Well, one of the key pieces f- to the success of the rise of Hitler, Mussolini, and Franco, and, and others, I mean, Pinochet in Chile and others, uh, Putin in Russia, et cetera, it was seizing the press, mm-hmm. you know? And that is what is going on right here, right now. I'm uh, the, the, from I, you know it started with right wing talk radio, frankly, in my opinion, and you know, now you've got three right wing television networks. Yeah, and they're going to be covering Trump on January sixth. And by the way, my Christmas decorations went down on the first, but January sixth is the twelfth day of Christmas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think after uh, January 7th is probably a really good time to take down Christmas decorations. Yeah, I think you're right, Dennis. I think you're right. Yeah. Um. And, and, and I hate it when people put them up before December 1st. Really? Late November. Really? <laughs> this should be a lie. you got to wait until December 1st. I'm like, you know, the day after Halloween. But, but, I, but I don't do that. I mean, you know, my, my, my wife will not allow it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so she's the, she's the sane one in the family. Dennis, thanks a lot for the call. It's great to hear from you. Right. Have a good one. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is The Division of Light and Power by Dennis Kucinich, and this is from chapter one. It's titled Christmas Blackout. Jesus loves you. The world's swirled in the crisp air of the glistening snow globe known as Cleveland, Ohio. If in these wintry mists it was redemption you sought, you found it in the ministry of the streets with Reverend Oris Price, a living, breathing, holy card version of Jesus Christ with dark olive skin, reddish beard, piercing blue eyes, and a baritone voice which rose above the surging Christmas holiday crowd. He called out randomly to the weary shoppers. Their interest wasn't in salvation, but consumption, the search for tokens of affection. They were preoccupied with dazzling holiday lights, distracted by the elegant display windows of the the May Company, and entranced by the angelic carolers singing 
above the recorded music coming from the department stores. Undaunted, the Reverend Price looked upwards, a pale yellow streetlight casting a touch of glory upon his face. He extended his arms toward the heavens in exultation. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, Mary. Joyously, he flung a morsel of grace into the snow sky. It descended gently and touched a child of God named Mary, whose backward-looking gaze was caught by the all-seeing eye of Reverend Price, a divine gotcha moment at his corner tabernacle on Euclid Avenue at Ontario Street. Mary, give your life to Jesus, striking his name with a vocal thunderbolt. Mary was transfixed, her eyes on God's messenger. She received Reverend Price's nod as a beatitude, then smiled and turned to catch the crowd hurrying across Ontario Street into the headlong rush to prepare for Christmas 1969. The Reverend Price, animated apostle of the abbreviated epistle, clapped his thick, worn Bible and elevated it as a sacrament. Spirit shook his body, his eyes widened with joy as he called out to another soul, passionately dispensing deliverance to the procession of shoppers, whose only interest was in waiting for the traffic light to change so they could worship at the altar of the god Xmas. Snow flurried as my bride Helen and I hurried past the Bible-thumping Reverend Price and coursed with the crowd into Higby's department store. Later, just moments after we exited with a bag of gifts, a power failure hit downtown and Christmas disappeared. Helen looked at me surprised and frowned. What's that? The city's lights seem to be going out a lot, I observed. Maybe it's the weather, she offered. I don't know, Helen. We've been having blackouts no matter the weather. When the lights go out, what can you do? You wait for them to come on. That's life in the big city, except I had just been elected to the Cleveland City Council, and I had every intention of showing that things were going to be different. I went to a payphone to call the city's light system, and after several attempts, got through. Division of Light and Power, the harried voice answered. This is Dennis Kucinich. I'm a new councilman from Ward 7. Could you please tell me why the lights are out? It's four days before Christmas, and ho, ho. Hold on, hold on, hold on, the man growled. You're the kid who beat Belinsky. Yes, that was me at age 23, often mistaken for a paperboy in his early teens when I campaigned door to door. I defeated the Ukrainian Robin Hood, John Terrace Belinsky, on my second time around with the help of the Cleveland police, Paul DeGrandis, and the deputy director of the Cuyahoga County Board of Elections, and six foot, six inches, 320 pounds, Scott Sikorsky. Scott was a campaign worker and a high school classmate who, after several failed attempts by election supervisors to get those inside a polling place in Ward 7 to open the door, tore it clean off its hinges. It was there an hour earlier in the basement of St. Augustine Church, Bolinsky's ward machine, which officiated inside the polling station, ejecting our designated witnesses, barricaded the windows and doors, then silently, desperately proceeded to count the paper ballots creatively until they could come up with enough votes for Bolinsky to win. Once Scott opened the door, the police and county election officials rushed inside like it was an Elliot Ness raid of a bootleg joint. The ballots were impounded and taken by a police car to a secure place at the Cuyahoga County Board of Elections. The official tally would take place at the elections board, where I won by 16 votes in a recount. So that's how I became the councilman of the neighborhood where I went to high school, where church spires and pipe organ smokestacks reached to a smudged sky. A neighborhood populated by a steely league of nations who spoke Polish, Greek, Slovak, Ukrainian, Russian, Arabic, Spanish, and occasionally English. A neighborhood of narrow streets lined with old men wearing white shirts and suspenders, and old ladies wearing babushkas and carrying shopping bags that dangled just above their socks, paraded up and down the small commercial district on Professor Avenue. It was on that very same street in August of 1960, the St. John Cantonus Jayhawks varsity football squad gathered on the school steps for teen pictures. As a 13-year-old, 4'9", 98-pound, third-string varsity quarterback, I was being prepared for a career in Cleveland politics with every blindside, tackle, sack, forearm in the face, bell ringer, dirt-eating episode known as the game. As the last boy on the team, I practiced a gritty resilience against physical odds. The book, The Division of Light and Power, by Dennis J. Kucinich.
VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And welcome back. Carol in Valencia, California, listening on KPFK. Hey, Carol, what's on your mind today? Hey, good morning, Tom. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene came out last week saying she thinks the country should get a divorce. Yeah, I know. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? I think we should look at this. Now, let me tell you why. Okay, there's go for two it. Books, there's two, two books that, that, that really bend my thinking. Mm-hmm. One is American Nations, which I know you know about how he, he poses that we're not one nation. Yeah, we title, are isn't it titled The Nations of America? No, no, American Nations. Oh, okay. And A-T-I-O-N-S. Um, he, propo- he has a wonderful hypothesis that we are 11 nations with cultural, <coughs> excuse me, uh, very unique cultural patterns. For, for yeah, example, I, I read the book. It came out in the mid to, mid to late 90s, as I recall. No, no, no. 2011. Oh, okay. This must it's be something it, new. I'm it, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Oh, this is a wonderful book. And his, his, his follow-up is American Character. Okay. Uh, but anyway, the, 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 the whole construct is that we are culturally very unique in the regions we came from. The Yankee uh, Yankee Land is the the northern the Puritans the, and they became the well educated Bostonian um, very citizen like kinds of people. Right. Uh, the, the New York uh, Dutch influence <laughs> very commercial, very very liberal, very accepting. Uh, the the the. Uh, uh, Jeffersonian, Virginian, Maryland uh, uh, um, are were, were the nobility. You know, the the second sons who came and always had the genteel nobility. Uh, then you had uh, what what he calls. Um, Oh, okay. I, 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 that, that's okay, Carol. You don't have to recap the whole book. It, it I, I, I'm on. familiar with the regional well, what differences. We have, what we have is the Civil War was fought by the Deep South, which were the Barbados, uh, cruel and vicious Englishmen <clears throat> who brought, who really brought slavery in. Right. And had created this this oligarchy. So, Carol, of, we have forty seconds. What's the point you're oh, trying to make? Okay, all right, all right. So here's the thing: we have been fighting with the oligarchs since this before the Civil War. Of course, it's always been a fight. And the reason we had the Civil War was that commercially, the South and the North, the North said we need. The South to stay because we need their cotton. We can't let them. Oh, New have York City tried to secede with the South. I know. <laughs> there was I know. So they much money being made. Yeah. I know because they, they they tried to say, well, we're going to go because we're going to get the, the commerce no matter right. where it comes from. Right. So if it goes to Britain, fine. So he they said that. And then the other book I have just finished, which you read from a couple days ago, was uh, Democracy. Democracy. You can finish your sentence. Democracy and Change. Oh, yeah. Nancy McLean's book. That's brilliant. Democracy and Change. Oh, my God. That is so important. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What we have, we're still fighting the Civil War. Oh, I agree. I agree. I read an amazing book over the weekend. It was called Rich Man's War. 
and it's about how there were fewer than a thousand families in the South who drove the entire Confederate uh, war. It was amazing. Carol, thank you. Tom in Astoria. Hey, Tom, th thanks for calling. What's on your mind today? Hey, thank you, Tom. Uh, glad to talk to you, a longtime listener and a reader of your few books. That well, you have you. many books that you've written. I just wanted to bring up that I am the direct descendant of Captain Peter Dickerson, who owned the uh, Dickerson Tavern in Morristown, New Jersey. Wait a minute. This ties yeah. to, uh, to what? What am I missing? Several calls and, ta and conversations ago, they were talking about the Benedict Arnold trial. Right. And uh, I was just going to bring up that in my research and my family and whatnot, DNA testing, I found out that I was tied to that when I was watching a TV show called Turn. And they showed the Dickerson Inn where Benedict Arnold's trial was held. Oh, wow. And, How about uh, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a real interesting journey of finding out my family all the so way back to Norfolk, England. Yeah, so your family helped prosecute Benedict Arnold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and Not bad. reading the, the details, I'm still digging into what actually happened at the trial, uh, how he got kicked off and his ego got blunted, and then he went, uh, the, even the colonel, the people, what's happened today has happened then is that the colonel, uh, he was told, don't fire on the British coming up to get uh, the West Point Academy. And he said, the hell with you. I'm blowing them out of the water. Oh, uh -huh. excuse me. I didn't mean to say hell That's on okay. the air. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, I've just, uh, it's been a real interesting journey that I've had two members of my uh, fourth and fifth great grandparents. Uh, one was a colonel in the colonial army. Uh, or the, the Continental Army, and then Captain Peter D Dickerson, he passed away in 1780 when all that was just finishing up and uh, uh, relatives were still running the tavern at the time. So yeah. I'm finding a lot of details. It's, it's, been real it's, interesting. it's amazing stuff. My mom was real into genealogy, and she got me into, uh, because of her research, got me and my brothers. Uh, I'm not sure if my, any of my brothers are keeping up their membership, but I've kept mine up in the Sons uh -huh. of the American Revolution, because I have an ancestor, his yeah. name was Carter, who actually fought in the American Revolution. You know, and, yep. uh, and uh, it's fascinating stuff. I don't know beyond that. It, it <laughs> is. Our, our, our relatives may have fought together. <laughs> it's, it's not inconceivable, Tom. So, is no, that, no. That, yeah, that's a great story. And, and, you know, thanks a lot for the call and for sharing it with us. That was what you wanted to share, right? Uh, yeah, that that, and as after sitting in the virtual green room and listening to all the stories going past, I, I had so much things thinking about. You got my mind spinning again for yeah. uh, many other things that are going yeah. on in my life. That, and, uh, that, that happens. That. You're welcome, it. Tom. Thanks yeah. a lot for the call, right. and I wish you the very uh, best of the new year. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Cesar in Chicago. Hey, Cesar, what's up? Hi, Tom. Thanks for answering my prayer. Um, yeah, I just want to give you a little fun fact, too, and there's some smart listeners out there, about January 6th. Mm -hmm. It's actually a very important Catholic holiday for us, it's uh, especially, in, especially in Latin America. Mm -hmm. We celebrate Rosca de los Reyes, which means pretty much like the, the Day of the Three Kings, when they wow. visited the newborn Christ. Right. And what we do is we have an, like a large oval bread that's adorned with a lot of candy. And inside the bread, the baker, they put in three little figurines, like baby Jesus figurines. Uh -huh. And everybody or families, you know, we get together and we cut pieces. And if you're fortunate enough to get one of these little baby Jesus, it's supposed to be bring you good luck. Wow. Because the three people who, uh, who, who get, you know, are fortunate enough, quotations fortunate enough to get it, we, they all pull together mm -hmm. and they all... Do they pay for a small, a small, not a feast, but it's like a small meal, which includes was our chocolate was champurado, our chocolate and tamales. So we all get together on February second, and that's also a very important day. Um, I can't think of why. Uh, it's a candle mass day in February second. You know, uh -huh. if it it lands in the weekend, it's kind of a big feast. Uh -huh. Other than that, it's just getting together and having a small small dinner, but it's, yeah. it's celebrated almost any Mexican-American, you know, you know, it's actually a very, very important day. And unfortunately, it was overshadowed last year with the insurrection, but right. it's a very traditional Catholic holiday. Thank you for educating me, uh, Cesar. My, uh, I, I wonder how pervasive that is in other cultures. My grandmother, I, I remember 
when my when my grand my father's mother was alive telling me about a holiday and I, I frankly don't remember the holiday that she as a child celebrated where there was a coin baked in some kind of food and whoever found the coin you know in the food had good luck or got to keep the coin I guess the little kids got to keep the coin but I don't remember any other details beyond that it's uh, but uh, I, I don't which I, and I don't think it had anything to do with Catholicism in fact I, I suspect that my my father's mother was might have been Jewish but or was Protestant you know was uh, from Norway but it's fascinating Cesar thank you thank you very much for that it's great to hear from you Alan in Winnipeg Manitoba in Canada hey Alan what's on your mind today yeah, we up north here. We love your show too. Well, thank you. No, My I'm, daughter was in Quebec City for Christmas and New Year's. In fact, they're they're flying home tonight because their flight got canceled. Because, uh, but her husband is Canadian, so or was he's. he's uh, well, well, they, well, they say New York never sleeps. Try Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Montreal is such a beautiful city. I love Montreal. I've never it, been to Winnipeg. And, but, and it's and it's a party town. Well, you have to come up here and visit our polar bears up north yeah, too. Yeah. Churchill, but I reside uh, sometimes in California, too, where I'm originally mm -hmm. from. But I'm, I'm calling, there's a kind of a tweet that's kind of going a little bit viral right now from an Austrian woman who lived in Austria when Hitler was able to take over successfully without firing a gun, she pointed out. The point of her speech was the Austrians elected at the time when they had a, a plebiscite about whether they should join up with the Germans. 98% voted in favor, and she pointed out that one of the reasons was the news and the propaganda uh, uh, just avoided talking about what was really happening in Germany. They didn't hear any of the news about the oppression and any of the news about uh, the violence and the, and the deaths and the concentration camps being set up. She said they were fed a steady stream of lies. And I'm looking at the Republican Party. They're they're pulling the same playbook. I mean, let's face it. They're, the people that uh, are fo following them right now and following their line of thinking, they listen to, an, uh, as the former press secretary for Trump said, they have alternative facts. Yes. So they're being fed. fed it's, history is repeating itself. And if we don't do something about it, we all know that if they get in power again, <laughs> you think they're going to... Not change the rules even more, and they oh, yeah. flaunt the rules, and they seem to always be able to bend the rules to favor them. They 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 don't uh, follow the uh, what what do you call it? What the 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 filibuster when it came time to ram through all their uh, 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 Senate uh, not Senate seats, all their Supreme Court seats. Yeah, and all I don't understand the judges. Democrats. Yeah. I just don't get it. If we don't play hardball. We're going to end up just like the Austrians and the rest of the world. We're going to get taken over by the, the yeah. current fascist party called the Republic. Yeah, the it's kind of like the, 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 the Florida Anschluss is happening right now. I'm with you, Alan. And until the Republican Party recommits itself to the values, what used to be what were referred to by the founders as the Republican values, uh, small r, you know, the, the values of democracy, of majority rule, of the rule of law until they recommit themselves to that or commit themselves to that for the first time since the 1980s I, we just have to fight them as hard as absolutely hard as we can under you know every circumstance uh, politically obviously to keep this country well, free yeah I, I, literally we can't hold our breath to wait for them believe me the majority of them are, are they're already uh, in the beer hall ready to yeah. you know line up the coups so yeah. We well, better fight. Yeah, this and they did it a year chance. ago. They did it a year ago. Alan, thank you. Thanks for thanks for listening to us on SiriusXM up there in Winnipeg, and, and thanks for the call. Nice to hear from Canada. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Speaking the truth, the oil industry would really rather you didn't know. West Collinsworth Heights, New Jersey. Hey, Jill, what's on your mind today? 
Hello, Tom. Uh, just an idea for your tree. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll make Louise happy. I started last year. I got programmable lights, and during the Christmas season, I have it all decorated for Christmas. And then yesterday, actually, I took all the Christmas ornaments off, changed it to white lights, and I have crystal icicles only. Oh, so it's so a winter it, tree. It's a winter tree. Wow, that's a that's a great idea, Jill. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. So. Uh, so. That's what you wanted to share. That that's fascinating. Thank you so much for that, Jill. Oh, you're welcome. I hope she likes it. I hope so too. I'll find out when I get home. All right, Jill. Thanks a lot, Jerry in Huntington Beach, California. Hey, Jerry. Thanks for listening to KPFK. What's up? Well, I listen every day, Tom, and I know that you're in favor of the the Build Back Better uh, bill, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff, and I can see why you're in favor of it. But there's things that uh, there's several things I don't uh, like about it. Uh, I'll name a couple of them. My fear is that uh, this promise of raising taxes to pay for it is not going to happen. I don't think they're ever going to raise anybody's taxes. That's just not going to happen. And uh, it's, it's part of the, the bill. Cost, well, I realize if the bill gets the passed, it's, it's, it's the law, it's, and it's all it's, it's, it's doing is reversing some of you know part of Trump's tax cuts. That's all it's doing. I, I understand that, but the problem is that they, the bill's not finalized yet, is it? It can be that could be cut out or modified somehow. It, you know, if it passes, if, if it passes in its current form, the the one that is sitting on Chuck yeah. Schumer's desk, if that passes the Senate, it goes to the president and it becomes law. If the Senate chooses okay. to modify it in any way, which is extremely likely. Uh, given that Joe Manchin is doing his I'm really the president routine here. Um, yeah. If it gets modified in any way, then it goes back to a what's called a conference committee, which will be a, a, a group, typically six, eight, ten people. I'm not sure if it's fixed by law, policy or rules or if they if they come up with it on, on an ad hoc basis. Frankly, I don't know. But it'll it, there will be a, a group of Democrats or excuse me, a, a, a group of members from the House and a group of members from the Senate who will get together and they will reconcile those the differences between those two, and then that piece of legislation will essentially be reintroduced simultaneously into the House and Senate and voted on. And, and typically, it, you know, it's just a pro forma thing. It passes and it goes to the president. Okay. Well, let's let's assume that that, that stays in. Okay. I'll I'll grant you that. But the other thing is, this bill, like any other bill in Washington, this one may be even more so. A bill that size. It's probably just loaded down with pork. It's unbelievable. It doesn't even have anything to do with what uh, what the bill is intended to do. And then you got the deficit to worry about. Well, well, hang on, just a second, Jerry. What's the pork? About that. What's the pork? And, and, and this has nothing to do with the, the deficit. Detail. Am I talking to a Republican here? This has nothing to do with no, the deficit. No, you're talking this to a Democrat. Okay, cool. So, what's the pork that you don't like? I don't know. The pork is in the details. You don't know. The details. Jerry, you're, you're going to call me up and complain about a piece of legislation. And, and, Does anybody no, know I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm going to move along. Morris in Long Beach. Hey, Morris, you're on the air. What's up? Hey, let me tell you something, everybody. Get, look here. Look here. If you want to make some money for your business, buy your ads right now. Because when that select committee puts Donald Trump under that deposition, everybody in the world is going to be watching. If you're a nonprofit agency, you might be able to get a discount. I was watching Trump's <laughs> deposition uh, under the university fiasco that he had. Mm. This, listen, it's a skill set asking questions. Yeah, it, it, it is. And I'm watching what's going on, and this guy was so good. And I'm telling you, when Mr. Trump, former president of the United States, gets in front of this select committee with the evidence that they have, it's going to be first-class entertainment. Uh, one thing shocked me, man, almost knocked my knee. New York City was going to succeed with the that, South. Yeah, the mayor of New York proposed that New York join the South and secede. He was voted down by the city council, but it was a serious proposal and had widespread support because Wall Street made so much money on cotton. It actually happened. Morris, I'm sorry you're, 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 you're fading out there, but it actually happened. It's in my book, The Hidden History of American Oligarchy, if you want a source for it. And in there, you'll find all the footnotes. Morris, great to hear from you, and Happy New Year. Catherine in Burlington, Vermont, my old stomping grounds. Hey, Catherine, what's up? Hey, Tom. You talked earlier about securing the vote and voter suppression. And I wanted to say, 
when I heard that, I had to call you and say, I've been hearing about that since elementary school, and I'm 61. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, while we discuss these things, there are millions of people who need real aid. Mm-hmm. Now, not tomorrow, right here, right now. Yes. And we need to have FDR's second Bill of Rights implemented, wherein all necessities are covered, food, right. rent, clothing, etc. And health care, yes. And health care. We need that ASAP, national security level. You know, Germany has uh, that at the level of constitutional law. Yes. Your right to life, liberty, and on and on. And on. Yeah. And imagine a world, Tom, where we each own ourselves 100%. And let's say you're working for the government. You're not forced into it. They can't own you. You are offering a service, and they are offering you something in return that you agree to and that's fair and just. Sounds like a good idea to me. Uh, I'm, I'm yes, concerned about the... At that the, point, can we all now focus on being 100% uh, owning ourselves 100%? And, and I've got backup for that. In the Bible and in the Torah... In the Old Testament, it states, Psalm 82, verse 6, ye are all gods. Yeah. And in John... I think it, it says, is it not written, ye are all gods? Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm familiar with John, that. Yeah, is it not written yeah, in, your con- in your book of law? Right. Yeah, yeah, Jesus brought it up. Yeah. And, and, and he, say, he, he wasn't saying, I'm God and you're just people. He said, we're all gods. Yeah. Here's the deal. Yeah, we're all entitled and, to, and a, to, a, to a basic level. And the Jewish sector that I know of, the Jewish sector, knew about that. Oh, I think this, this is, you know, to a large extent, this, this worldview, uh, you know, that you're expressing, Catherine, is the foundation of every major religion and, and certainly much, much of contemporary Judaism. Catherine, thank you so much for the call. I've got to move along. Gary in Alpharetta, Georgia. Hey, Gary, what's on your mind? Happy New Year, Mr. Hartman. Thank you. Back at you. Thank you. Well, here we are again, uh, quickly, uh, 2020, and we're talking about, I bet you've never heard me say this before, our core problem called greed. Yep. Greed has no heart. uh, I just had to call because I've been listening to Free Speech TV, and America has to be more, and we need to educate our younger people to this. Mm-hmm. The core problem that America has to be more, they may kind of know it, but I'm not so sure it's getting a foothold. Yeah. I don't think it is. It's more, America's more than greed, eagle, and trying to be famous. Yeah. And I want I need to quote FDR. Government can err. Presidents can make mistakes. But we are told that divine justice weighs the sins of the cold-blooded and the sins of the warm-hearted on a different scale. Better the occasional fall of a government living in the spirit of charity than the consistent omissions of a government frozen in the ice of its own indifference. That's the answer. Amen. I am one of his one of his best quotes. Gary, thank you so much. It's great to hear from you. Happy New Year. Joe in Detour Village, Michigan. Hey, Joe, what's on your mind today? Yeah, you know, earlier you said, what would we've done if we truly believed our election had been stolen? And, hey, I was a union rep in 2000, and we went to a convention in D.C. in early 2001, right after we really believed that George Bush stole that election. Mm -hmm. And we didn't riot. We were mad. Oh, my God. Teddy... Kennedy was at that convention, and I was sitting very close to him, and I wanted to say something to him about it, but we were just all fuming. We didn't even have words to express how angry, but we didn't riot. You're right. You're absolutely right. And that was, I think, the beginning of the 
destruction of the credibility of the of the Supreme Court. That was when uh, you know Americans really fully realized that the Supreme Court had become a political body. When they stopped, I know it destroyed how I looked at things. We left the union. We left town. Yeah. We started over out in the wilderness in Detour Village. <laughs> yeah, well, I get it, Joe, and th- and that's a good point. And I'm I'm not sure what lessons to draw from it, but because I think the big difference was that, and many of us fought that, by the way. And in fact, I'm trying to remember which member of Congress it was who stood up and objected. I'm sorry, I don't. But there, you know, somebody objected. Mm-hmm. And basically, Al Gore, you know, gaveled the Senate at the time. And he said, you know, we're, we're not recognizing your objection. George Bush is the president. So basically, we decided to just go along with it. In this case, what was different was that the sitting president, and at that time, Al Gore was the sitting vice president, didn't acknowledge that, frankly, that the election had been stolen from him legally by the Supreme Court. And I think the legally by the Supreme Court part is the, is the critical part. But yeah. I, I'm totally with you, Joe. I, I just I don't know where to go beyond that, but I'm, I'm with you. Joe, thank you. Thank you for the call. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll continue the conversation. Same time, same place. And in the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. It's something that you've got to participate in. So share the good word about progressive media. Get out there, get active. Tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.